Good morning everyone, it's a real pleasure to be amongst you again this morning and I uh, want to bring you special greetings from my wife Tayo who is still uh, out in Qatar as we speak um, and the kids are here with me uh, and we're going to be here for another couple of weeks till the end of July and then we all go back to Qatar first week in August. Uh, and that will be me gone then, yeah, so. <laughs> Can I? Hello? Hello? Can I get some water, please? Yeah, so, so that will be me uh, gone then. Uh, but this morning, uh, I was just been thinking and praying, and there have been a few things on my heart that I that I've just been walking through uh, and, and in terms of um, as I'm looking at my journey and where we are as a family looking at the church of God and where we are and looking at the purposes of God and what God is doing amongst us thank you what God is doing amongst us I'm not sure what I'm doing yeah and what God is doing amongst us um I'm thinking this is probably my last preach before I sort of go away to Qatar finally. Trusting God that there will be many more opportunities to come back and visit. You know, so I was really praying about that and kind of trying to, really asking God to give me something for, for His people uh, and something to kind of lift something quite significant and I've been praying into that. And, and as I've prayed into that, there's just three things the Lord has kind of put upon my heart. Um, and I've done one of not those very classical things that teach you about preaching. Because I've got those three things that I know God has given me. And in some ways I've kind of then said, God, give me some scriptures to kind of bring out some of those principles. So I'm going to be looking at three scriptures. And in some ways, I'm kind of taking them out of context to kind of fit in what God is saying to me. But uh, I still think it will, we can preach some principles from me to kind of reflect the heart of it. Uh, and this morning, I'm just going to be sharing my heart with you. I'm just going, to be, just going to be speaking to you what I feel God is saying to me. And I just want us to wait for each one of us. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not claiming to have a monopoly of what God is saying to us, but this is just my heart. And I just want you to receive it as such, and for you to pray into it, to think about it, and to see what God will say to you. But I believe we are at a very crucial point, and at an important point, and in the timings of God, there are seasons and there are moments. And one of the things Jesus said concerning the children of Israel was that they did not recognize the timing of God's visitation upon them. So that when Jesus broke into their world and into their situation, they did not recognize the impulse of that moment. They thought it was just business as usual. And it was just another guy who's come on and he would just go. They did not realize the significance of that moment. And a lot of the difficulties and a lot of those who missed out on that purpose was because they did not recognize that. And when we think about David, and there was a particular uh, passage in David's life when he talked about the men of Issachar, 
And he said, the strength of the men of Issachar is that they had an understanding of the times and of the seasons. And they were able to help the people of God to discern what God was doing and what he was speaking at that time. And these were men of great help to David in helping him to shape the kingdom and the purposes that God has for him and for his people. So I'm going to start, the first scripture is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read verse 57 and verse 58. So if you've got your Bibles with me, if we want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read uh, verse 57 and verse 58. Let us pray. Lord, I just ask this morning that you will give us ears to hear, Lord. Hearts that are prepared to receive the seed of your word. And just the humility to bow before you, Lord, and to bow before your word. As we sang this morning, Lord, you are a holy God. Your ways are far beyond our ways. Your thoughts are beyond our thoughts. But you choose to partner with us. And you call us to come with you on a journey of your purposes and of your counsel for your people. And we thank you because you take us, you call us. And you invite us into this work with you. With all our frailties, with all our human weaknesses, you fill us with your spirit. You fill us with your holiness. You fill us with your righteousness. And you empower us to fulfill your counsel and your purposes. And what a privilege to be able to stand in that position, Lord. So Lord, we ask this morning that you will speak clearly into each of our hearts, Lord. And I pray that you will cause each one of us to hear your voice this morning. And Lord, that this will not just be another war that we hear, but you will just help us to brood upon it, think upon it, and act upon whatever it is that your Spirit is speaking to each one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 and 58. It says, But thanks be to God, it gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. They say, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I like the way the Amplified Bible puts it. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. It says knowing and being continually aware. So not just know it, but stay and, 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 and settle in that consistency. Let there be a continuity of awareness that your labor in the Lord, your work in the Lord, your service for the Lord, doing that more than enough 
in service for him, for his kingdom, for his people, for his purposes, knowing that they are never futile and they are never in vain. And so I just really want to acknowledge and thank as many of us who are in that place and in that season of our lives that we know that we have laid our hands on the plough and by the help and the grace of God, we've not looked back. We've put our hands upon that plough and we've continued to give ourselves to the work of God, to the call of God and to the service of God upon our lives, irrespective of the situations and the challenges that have accosted us. But we have put our hands on the plough. And we can declare, like the scripture says, we are not of them that look back. We have been able to put our hands on the plough and we have been able to apply ourselves to that work. We're laboring for His kingdom. We're laboring for His purposes. At personal cost, at great tragedy, at great cost to us, to our persons, to our time, to our families, whatever it is. But we have, by the grace of God, been able to put our hands on that plow and not look back. No matter the winds, no matter the storms, no matter the rains, no matter the challenges, by the grace of God, our hand is on the plow and we're pressing it. This morning, the Lord wants to acknowledge you. And I think it's so pertinent when we think about our final year students. And the Lord is saying, this three years in Durham, you've given yourself to Him and you've given yourself to His service. You've sown yourself and blessed the people of God and it's time to move on. He says, that labor in the Lord is never in vain. And God sees it. He sees your labor. He says, the cry of your heart, in the place of intercession, on your knees, praying, speaking, crying out, seeking the face of God, standing upon the wall, crying out on behalf of God's people, as an intercessor, as a watchman over the people of God, crying out in the hidden places, laying hold of God and asking that God will cause His glory and His beauty to shine. When you've pressed on, come alongside the brethren in your encouragement, in holding the hands, in strengthening the feeble knees, in reaching out in love, in reaching out in compassion, in reaching out in grace, being an example of the believer, coming alongside, making it happen for others, even when it looks like it's not happening for you, but you're suppressing it. Scripture says, He is not unfaithful. He is not unfaithful. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And the encouragement to you this morning is stand firm. Stand firm. Be immovable. Be given explicitly, single-mindedly to the service and the pursuit of His kingdom and His purposes. Because in all of these, none of your labor in the Lord is futile. None of it is wasted. None of it is in vain. And the one who has called you, the one who sees the crowd you have, the one who sees in secret, in due season, if you fail not, there will be a blessing. There will be an outbreak. There will be a reward for every labor that you've given in the service of your master. Remember Jesus said at the time when he comes, 
it looks at them and says, Well done, thou faithful servant. You have been faithful in that which has been committed into your hands. Go forth into the joy of your heavenly Father. So life may throw challenges on us. Things may happen. But thank God for the grace to put our hands upon that plow and not to look back. And Paul, as he was writing to the Corinthian church, was giving them that charge again and said, My brethren, this is great. This is awesome. This is marvelous that you have been able to lay hold of the grace of God to see the manifestations of this truth in your life. Like Jesus, you've been able to fix your eyes looking at the glory that is set before you. Therefore, enduring the cross. Not counting the cost. Why? Because you saw the glory ahead. And it is a grace to be able to stand in that place and to be able to walk that path and to be able to lay hold of the call and the glory of God. Paul says, I thank God because I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness is laid forth for me because what? I have fought the good fight of faith. And we are called to fight. And as you're fighting, God says, I see your tenacity. I see your heart. I see your desire. I see your, your heart and the crown of your heart. And I recognize that. And I reward that. And the reward is coming, not just in this life, but also in the life there is to come. But he says, nobody who has left any of these things for me will lose their reward. So the first thing I want to leave with us, as many of us who have found ourselves in that place, and that's where we are, let's be firm. Let nothing move us. Let's give ourselves continually to that work of the Lord, because we know that our labor in the Lord, in the Lord, is never in vain. Amen. The next passage I want us to look at is John chapter 5. And I want us to read verse 1 to 9. And when we were doing the series, I can't remember who actually preached this, but I think it might have been Keith, actually. Uh, was it Keith? Yeah, it was preaching there. And I, as I was listening to that message, I thought the Lord began to spare my heart. And interestingly, somebody else from the congregation came and spoke to me afterwards, a word that God had given them. Unfortunately, they're not here today. I was hoping we could bring it together. And suddenly they lined up together. And I thought there was something there that God wanted to speak to us about. I'm going to read that. It says, Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by four covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. It's a footnote. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Next place. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is spurred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Verse 9. 
At once the man was killed, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. I had my Bible with me that morning, uh, the same Bible, the Amplified Bible by Joyce Meyer. And she had an excerpt based on that passage. And as John, um, sorry, as Keith was preaching, you know the way it is, where you kind of look at it, and I was just reading it. And I thought, that's interesting. And then somebody came to me after the service and was sharing something with me, and it was exactly what just my had put in that. Uh, and when we looked at this passage this morning, I want to speak to certain people, and I believe God wants to speak to certain people. And for certain of us, our situation is not like the first situation I've just described. For some of us, we are like this man at the pool who has been struggling with some huge difficulties and challenges in our lives, which have hindered us and prevented us from being able to come into the fullness of all that God has for us. And, you know, when you look at that story, it looks as if Jesus was a bit harsh in his question to that man. How can you meet somebody who has been struggling for 38 years at the place, and the first thing you ask him is, do you want to get better? Because he will look, why will he not want to get better? Of all things to say to him, what an introduction, what a question to ask somebody who has been suffering and struggling for 38 years, and the first thing you say to him is, do you want to get better? And I was thinking about that, but there was something of that passage that really struck my heart. And that sometimes, When God deals with us, and sometimes in the situation of our lives, the way the Lord addresses us and the way He speaks to us might not necessarily be what we want to hear, or how we think He should speak to us. But if we are patient and discerning enough, there is a purpose behind what the Lord is trying to achieve. This man has been lying there for a long time. He has tried so many times and he never seems to be good enough. And there's a sense that he may have lost hope or he may just have just resigned himself to his current situation. All the people that should help him are not helping him to get him into where he needs to be. And yet when Jesus got there, he did not offer that man what we might consider like a sort of NEPT at all. It seems to be quite harsh and just a get-up. And I'll read to you the excerpt from uh, Joyce Meyer, and then I'll, I'll, I'll share what, where I want to go with this. Why was this man we read about in John 5, 1, 9, lying beside the pool for 38 years? Not only was he seeking his body, he was also seeking his soul. Sickness of the soul are much worse and sometimes harder to deal with than sickness of the body. I believe the condition of his body and soul stole his confidence and caused him to give up in a gradual, passive kind of way. Notice that when Jesus asked the sick man if he was in earnest about getting well, which is the way the translation puts it, he said he had no one to help him get into the pool where he could be healed. Jesus did not stand there and pity the man. Instead, he gave specific instruction. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk. In other words, don't just lie there. Do something. 
Jesus knew self-pity will not deliver the man. So he did not feel sorry for him. He had compassion on him. And that is different from emotional pity. Jesus was not being harsh, hard, or mean. He was trying to set the man free. Self-pity is a major problem. I know because I lived in self-pity for many years. It affected me, my family, and the plan of God for my life. God finally told me that I could be pitiful or I could be powerful. God finally told me I could be pitiful or I could be powerful, but I could not do both. If I wanted to be powerful, I had to give up self-pity. Being sexually abused for approximately 15 years and growing up in a dysfunctional home led me lacking confidence and filled with shame. I wanted to have good things in my life, but I was stuck in emotional torment and despair. Like the man in John 5, Jesus did not give me pity either. Jesus was actually very firm with me and he applied a lot of tough love, but his refusal to help to let me wallow in self-pity was a turning point in my life. I am not in the pit any longer. I now have a great life. If you will reject self-pity, actively look to God and do what He instructs you to do, you can have a great life too. The importance of this is not making light of the challenges and the afflictions that we face. But it is about acknowledging the power of Christ to break through into whatever life throws at us because there is the redemptive power in Christ. If the blood of Christ has lost its power, then it is worthless. And that songwriter says the blood can never lose its power. It does not matter what life throws at us. It does not matter the challenges of life. They cannot stand against the power and the force of the resurrection. It does not matter what the situation is. It does not matter how bad it is. At the cross, Jesus said it is finished. The power of death ultimately, which is one of the worst things that can happen to us, is broken. The redemptive power of Christ is bigger than whatever situation that man or circumstances or the world can throw at us or has thrown at us because in the person of Christ and in his redemptive work, there is a release and a setting free for God's people. And so when Jesus came to that man and says, do you want to be whole? It was not a mocking question. It was not a ridiculing question. It was an awakening of a fresh desire and an awakening of a fresh faith. It was an awakening of the realization that maybe it is possible, even after 38 years, to be able to get up from this place and move into a different place. And sometimes self-pity can lock us into that place. Our identity can become the difficulties and the challenges of our lives. Whereas, what Jesus wants is not just to leave us with that, but to give us a new identity in Him. The rod of shame in Moses' hand 
Because every time Moses held that rod as a shepherd, reminded him of the glory that he has lost in Egypt. But yet, God transformed that same rod. He did not give him a new rod. That same rod, God transformed it by the power of God to become the rod of his testimony. Moses stood before the Red Sea. That same rod that reminded him of how far he had fallen from the throne of Pharaoh was the same rod that God says, show it now, pick it up. Put life into that same rod, that rod that was the shame and the hallmark of all that was wrong and that had befallen him became the rod of testimony in his hands. And he stood at that river, pointed out that and said, pathways. And the Bible says, he gave way. And the people of God walked on dry land. It is when you go before Pharaoh, put that rod down. And see the manifestation of the power of God. That same rod of shame was the same rod that became the rod of his testimony. If many of us were doing it, we would say, God will have given him another golden rod. So that when he came before Pharaoh, Pharaoh's rod was 24 carat. God would give him a 32 carat gold spring. No, it was still the same stick. But it wasn't just an ordinary stick. It was a stick that was infused with the power and the life of God. And the rod of shame in your hands... In the hands of God is the rod of testimony. That's what gives you an integrity in life and in ministry that nobody else has. Because people can see how God has taken you through these difficulties and how God has brought you through. And when you stand and say to somebody, God can do that for you, they will listen. Because they know you know what you're talking about. You have walked the path, the suffering and the shame of all of that, but you know God has brought you through. And sometimes part of the lack of the pastoral heart in the church is those whom God wants to break, reform, re- and renew, and release them so that they can have a compassion and an understanding. And the Bible says the comfort for which you receive in your trials and in your difficulties, you can comfort others and carry them through. Because you know what it means to be broken, you know what it means to be paralyzed, you know what it means to be despondent, and to just be struggling until the power of Christ breaks into that situation and sets you free. So that question is not a ridiculous question. It is a cry from the heart of your heavenly Father. I say, move out of self-pity and move into a place of power. Because the power is available. It is your redemptive right as a child of God to see the power of God come into every single area of your life and bring a redemptive work. Salvation is not just for your mind or for your body. It is also for your soul. And if there are things that are bound your soul and cast you down, let the power of Christ come. But the difference, which is where the man was almost missing, was because when Jesus says, why are you lying there? He says, there's nobody to help me. Because there's nobody to stir the water. He was still expecting it to happen the way it always happened. No, 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 but it's not going to be a stirring of water this time. Because the son of righteousness is arisen with healing in his wings. The one who comes into the situation is changing. It's a different instruction. It's a different process. It's a different instruction. It's a different revelation. And in the light of that revelation, when Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not talking about going into the water. There is no angel to stay up this water. No, the Son of Man is going to speak into that situation. And I'm going to command healing power to come into that right now. Pick up your bed, get up, and walk. It was a different instruction. 
What was impossible 38 years because you were depending on others and the angels to come and spare the water. But when you hear the voice of Jesus in that situation, when you catch a fresh revelation of what he's speaking into your life in that moment, imagine if the man said, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. If you really want to help me, you know what you're going to do? You're going to get that angel to stare the water. And as the angel stares the water, you are going to stand by me and make sure I'm the first person to get into it. They would have lost the opportunity. So sometimes there is a fresh instruction. And there is a fresh revelation. And that was what happened to Moses in the wilderness. And God says to him, you've done it your way before, I'm going to teach you a new way. Put that rod down. Put that rod down. I'm going to infuse it with my life, I'm going to infuse it with my strength. And then you now go, not in your power, not in your strength, but you go in the power of that fresh revelation I've just given you. And that brings you into my purposes and into my counsel. There's a lot we can say on that, but our time is running. But the heart of God, my brothers and my sisters, if that's you this morning, you don't need any stirring of the angels no more. You don't need any help from man no more. Jesus is alongside you this morning. He's awakening a fresh desire in you. And child of God is asking you that questions. Are you in earnest to get well? Are you in earnest for me to raise the dreams that look that they're dead? The purposes of God, the desires of God in your heart, the things that He's put upon your heart that looks dead and buried and will never be possible. That you've given up because nobody has helped you. Nobody has recognized your gifts. Nobody has done stuff and nobody has done this and nobody has done that. And Jesus says, forget about what nobody has done. I want to do this. But He will give you a fresh instruction. You will hear my voice instructing you in the way to go. And by that fresh revelation and instruction, you will come into wholeness. And that man jumped up. And he began to celebrate. And he began to rejoice. And he began to see a difference that he never thought was possible. Because of time, let's quickly move. Let's go to Agai chapter 1. And that's just the last one. Agai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Agai to Zerubbabel, son of Shelter, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, but only put them in pots with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Actually, that was meant to be the title of this message. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thoughts to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build a house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Verse 9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house which remains a ruin while each one of you is busy with his own house. 
Now this does not apply to everybody, but I believe there's somebody here, not necessarily even sitting here, but as people listen to this, but in the life of the church and where we are as individuals, that this applies to somebody. And because of time, I'm just going to paraphrase. If you go back, go back and look at Agai. It's only two chapters. But this was a situation here where God, through the prophet, spoke to the people and says, you think this is just the time to look after number one, which is me. I look after myself, I look after my things, and then if I have any other time, I'll come and do the stuff of God. And God says, actually, you've got it all wrong. This is not the time to look after number one. This is the time to look to my purposes and my counsel for your life. And maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a season in your life and I don't know for whatever reason why you have come to that season. But you've just thought, look, I'm just at the point now where I just need to focus on myself and get, get my own life sorted out. If you read that, what was happening, God was saying to them, you're, you're investing so much into this, your own things, but they're not actually working out the way you really want it to work out, is it? And God says, actually, it's because I'm almost against what you're doing. And why am I against what you're doing? Because you're not submitting yourself to my purposes. You're not making me the priority in your life. And therefore, that's why you're struggling. And you are investing. You're building houses. You're doing all sorts. And then you're coming to the God, why is this not working out? And he says, the ventures that I have not commissioned, I am not obligated to see through. It says, for me, in this moment and in this season, the emphasis is to build my house. Not your own individual houses, not your panel homes. You think it's okay to have all of these wonderful things, but actually it's not going to work because in the season of your life, I want you to focus on building a house for me. And we know in New Testament times, when we're talking about the house of God, we're not talking about the building. I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from. So this is not about building a house in terms of a building. We have the temple of the Holy Ghost. We have the building of God. We have the church of God. His church is His body. But He says this is a time in terms of your time, your resources, and your focus. Your priority is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And everything else will be added onto it. Because anything that's apart from that will become futile and will become very frustrating. Because the blessings of God is not in it. And if we look at verse 8 again in that passage. It says, go up into the mountains. Bring down timber. Build the house. Why? So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. The Lord wants to take pleasure in His house. My Amplified Bible says, so that I will take pleasure and I will be glorified in it. God wants to reveal His glory in us, His church, the body of Christ. But He says, in us to come to that place, we need a change of mindset. He says, you need to go up the mountains. Go and gather the timber. Almost the same parallel with that John chapter 5. 
In our mind, this is the way it's going to be done. And God says, no, that's not the way it's going to be done. But what else comes? He comes to his people and he gives them a new instruction. It says, in that time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophet, and the prophet said to God's people, this is what you need to do. And it's not what they normally do before. But God says, if you will listen and hearken to this instruction, if you will hear what I am saying to you, and if you will hear it and follow it and do it, I will take pleasure in that which you build, and I will be glorified in it. Is there any greater desire of our heart? Is there any greater desire in your heart than that the works of your hands and the labor of your hands, remember where I started from, will be that which the Lord takes pleasure in and that which gives Him glory? I don't know about you, but that's the crowd of my heart. I don't want to do anything if it will not give Him pleasure. I don't want to do anything if it will not bring glory to my God and my King. I don't want to do anything for myself that would be futile. That will not receive the blessings of 1 Corinthians 15 where we started with. That will just be for myself. No, 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 no. I don't want to build a house for myself. I want to build a house for His kingdom and for His purposes. Because in seeking for His kingdom and His righteousness, everything else will be added unto me. And the blessings of God will come upon that which we build with the mindset and with the purposes of God. And so there is a fresh instruction coming to God's people through the Rubabel and through the prophet. And it says, actually, it is the time to build. And if that's you this morning, the instruction of the Lord is saying, actually, all of that effort will be wasted if you're not building according to the instructions of God. If your labor and your service is not patterned after the instruction of God. But he's saying it's willing to give you a fresh instruction. There is a word coming from God, from his prophet, from his word. There is a word coming from his spirit to speak to you, to give you understanding, to give you what he needs you to do. But what you need to do is to listen, step out, and once you do that, the Bible says, he says, I will come. Just like that man, the paralyzed man. It's not about him doing anything. All the paralyzed man needed to do was to listen to Jesus. The power of Jesus was what made the difference. And even now he says to them, if you go out, go to the mountains and gather those woods and build this house for me, I will come in and I will take pleasure in it. I will not just take pleasure in it, I will be glorified. There is nothing we seek. It is glory we seek. Is there anything else we're seeking? It's the glory of God. And so if we're listening to Him, if we make Him the number, if we make Him the priority in our lives, His glory will come, and He will take pleasure in that which we build. Have men failed you, or ignored you, or cast to your side, or not paid attention to your needs, causing you to remain lame and unwell and lacking in strength and courage to do what God has called you to do. This season, God wants you to shift your eyes away from people, including yourself. Instead, go to the Lord. Listen to His fresh instructions. Not waiting for the stirring of the water. Fresh voice of the Spirit. For a new way to do things. 
so that that which was impossible will be possible. Emmanuel, what has been impossible for 38 years is possible with a fresh instruction from the Master. You will be possible to do it in this season as we follow after the voice of God what we've not been able to do in 38 years. Are we going to follow the voice of experience or the voice of the Spirit? Is that to Ezekiel? Can this dry bones live again? He answered and says, Lord, only you know that. And then came an instruction from the Lord, which led to a great miracle, a great and vast army of lives restored by the power of the Spirit. Fresh revelation of the Spirit overcame the stagnancy and the impossibility of 38 years. The pain and the sorrow was gone. A new season of praise and glorifying God was born and set forth by the instruction of the Spirit. By the instruction of the Spirit. The impossibility of 38 years was laid to rest. And a new dawn was birth. A dawn filled with voice of praise and glorifying God in that situation. Brethren, it's not a time to build our own house. It's a time to focus on God. Not our individual pursuits to the neglect of the purposes of God. And it's time to pursue the purposes of God in our individual life and corporate life as a church of God together. The emphasis in Agai is the word of the Lord came to his people. The word of the Lord came to And as they listened to the word of the Lord something happened. In John 5 it was the same thing. The word of the Lord came to that paralytic man and something happened. But this new season, God is saying to us as we listen and hear what the Spirit is saying, God is going to bring us into a new season and He's going to bring something fresh. The Lord is resurrecting dreams and desires. He's causing you once again if you're willing to serve the purposes of God, it does not matter how long you have stayed at the spot where you are or crippled by the situation. The difference is Jesus is addressing and focusing on the situation. It's not dependent on your ability or the help of others, but Jesus is offering you a direct help to move things up. Are we going to listen to the voice of experience? Or are we going to listening to the voice of God and walk in obedience to his instruction. Let's pray. This morning, 
my challenge is about the pursuit of God's purpose for each one of us. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes when I get overwhelmed by that. And there's sometimes when I'm like that man at the poolside, completely paralyzed by and overwhelmed by the situation before me. And no matter how much I've tried, I just can't seem to be able to get a breakthrough. But then I hear the voice of my master come through and break through in that situation. And suddenly there's a new strength, there's a new understanding, there's a new revelation. And there's a new way to go about achieving what God wants to do. But all of that is driven by God's agenda. It's driven by the voice of the Spirit. It's driven by my willingness to submit and submit to what God wants to do. Can we have the band back, please? We're going to sing that song, I stand with hands wide and heart abandoned in horror of him who gave it up. I stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrender. All I have is yours. And as we sing that song, if, if you would like to respond, just do something specific. I will encourage you to maybe come forward. Uh, you're not coming to man, but it's just a step of faith and you're responding. I don't know, like I said, I, I don't know how this message is, what part of this message is hit you, but I trust there's something there. But if that's you this morning, just as a step of faith, if you would just like to just present yourself before the Lord and just respond in your heart to Him. I'm just, as we worship, I'm just going to leave time for you to come out. Not anybody praying for you, but just to come out as a step of faith. And just speak to the Lord as you're out there and let's just see what God will do. Let's just trust God. I know we've run out of time, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll try and round this up as quickly as we can. And, and let's, let's do that song and, and as we worship. Let's, let's do it.